Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. Our goal is to help educate people on all aspects of archery while at the same time, learn some new information from some of our outstanding guests. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode three. Today we're going to do a little uh, get to know Steve segment. So I am Steve and on here with me is my buddy Joe. Hey, good morning, Steve. I'm doing great. It's fun already, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right out, right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, we, we listened to my listen to me blab blab about myself uh, quite a bit here the other day but uh yeah uh i uh i know you and i have been getting to know each other here over the last couple of years but uh yeah i want to know all the things steve i want you to take us back take us back and uh you know how did uh how did you get to where you are today and then how how does that relate to your to your hunting career so i want uh i want to hear all the things where'd you grow up um so high school college all the things so i was born and raised on a dairy farm lived next door to my grandfather grandparents and uh, they had a dairy farm been dairy farming for 50 plus years and so that was just a way of life for me was just being on the farm and working all the time so working with the milk and the cows working in the hay fields things of that nature so of course being on a farm that's where the hunting and fishing got started in my life got the creek that ran through the property and uh so when I actually started to get into the hunting part of it, which I'm going to date myself now, uh, the first year that I was carrying a gun myself and was out deer hunting, that was in 1977. So I was, I had just turned 12 years old. Um, that I've, I'd done other squirrel hunting and things of that nature with a gun out in my hands, out in the woods, you know, prior to that. But as far as deer hunting, I was, I was, I was 12, um, so anyway, year number one, deer hunting, no success. Year number two, I was like, just kind of really getting into it, man. I was like reading all the outdoor life magazines and field and streams every time I get my hands on one of those. And I just, I just kind of felt a calling to be out in the, in the woods in some capacity. So I kept bugging my parents and uh, I'm like, hey, if I kill a big deer, can we get it mounted? And they're like, yeah, Steve, you kill a big deer, we'll get it mounted. And there's different 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 definitions of big but back in those days you know a big deer was basically anything that was like a two-year-old buck so anyway i uh turned 13 the end of october of 1978 three weeks or for that for that birthday i actually got a uh 30 30 lever action rifle that was my birthday present three weeks later we're out during uh deer hunting and i killed my first deer it just happened to be a, a big nine point and uh Actually, that was in 1978, and it's still the second largest deer that's been taken off that farm since then. Uh, actually, ever. Um, so, got got the deer mounted. Uh, I think we paid 75 bucks to get the deer mounted. And um, the whole time that a, the taxidermist had my mount, I really didn't know what to expect out of it. So, of course, I got, you know, get more magazines, and I started doing more reading about what is taxidermy. And uh, basically, it was uh, 
what what should I expect from my tax service? And it was like, I should expect to see something that appears to be lifelike when I get it back. Well, a year later, I get my mount back from the taxidermist, and I was all kinds of excited because I got my deer head back, and felt felt pretty cool at that time. You know, a major accomplishment. You know, everybody else I knew that uh, had killed a deer, nobody had one that big. Um, and the the crazy part is, is is it, even look back on it now, like my dad had killed a an eight point um, one time after years and years and years and years and years of hunting, there just wasn't that many deer around. Um, it's just crazy. Cause it, it was even made the newspaper that I killed a deer. That's how few a deer there were back in the day, which I'll get into that part here in a second too. Anyway, I get my deer back from the taxidermist all excited about it. And then I actually got to looking at it and I'm like, well, it doesn't look lifelike. It's got brown hair. It's got antlers, white patch on the throat. And that's where the similarities cease between a, a live animal and what this thing looked like. And uh, I started getting a little deeper into the weeds with it and realized the eyes were shaped wrong, the nose was shaped wrong, the antlers were in the wrong position, the ears were in the wrong position. And then I started taking taxidermy classes because I said I can do better than that myself. So when I was... So, so, so quick question. Well, how, so how old were you at this time when you started taking taxidermy I classes? I just turned 15. Wow. So at our, at our local okay. uh, community college, they were actually offering a uh, taxidermy classes. And so uh, I guess this was 1981 is when I finished up my classes. So, yeah, I actually took uh, taxidermy classes when I was 15. Um, and I, I messed around with taxidermy for many, many, many years. And to this day, I still run my own business. But uh, it, it started growing on me as as uh as i got older of course as, as i was you know getting in the high school age i didn't mess around with it a whole lot uh but after 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 i got out of high school and i got done with my uh college training and uh yeah i, I could i continue with the taxidermy industry uh so i've been doing uh i've got my own side business it's a it's my part-time gig that i do on the side but i've made it all the way to the kind of the top of the taxidermy world, I guess you could say. Um, I served on the board of directors for the National Taxidermist Association for several years. Um, I uh, served as president for the National Taxidermist Association for three years, taught some classes at some uh, national competitions, uh, taught both my daughters how to do taxidermy work. Both of them have won uh, first place at national competitions. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty deep into the taxidermy industry so all because of that one deer i shot when i was 13 years old that, that i felt like the taxidermist didn't do a very good job on it so uh, let me back up now and we'll get back into the rest of the hunting part of it so i even mentioned that my first deer it was it was so rare for people to kill a deer back in the day it even made like i said there was a picture of it in the newspaper an article about it and i was a i was hooked i'm diehard i'm gonna i'm gonna deer hunt every year I can't get enough of this. And I think I look back on it now and I'm like, man, I must've been really dedicated more than I realized. I hunted the next 10 years without killing a deer and I hunted hard. Um, and I remember one time, well, okay. I shot my first deer in 1978. I shot my second deer in 1988. And 
that whole time wow. in between, I remember one time I saw a doe that had a little one with it. And I remember my dad, when he got home from work that day, he says, well, did you see anything? I said, yeah, I did. And I said, I saw a doe with a little one. He goes, did you kill her? I said, no. Nah. I said, I, I, I passed up on her. And he's kind of looked at me and shook his finger. And he says, boy, he says, one of these days you're going to learn that doe meat's better than no meat. And, uh, yeah, yeah, there, there's a lot of truth to that part too. But anyway, that's the only deer I passed up in a whole 10 year period. And I never even had an opportunity to kill a deer. Never, never saw a buck that, that whole time. And that's what's so different about, and, you know, and today, you know, and hunting in the kind of the same area, but I mean, I was out two weeks ago hunting and I saw, I think 13 different bucks in the same day, you know, and I'm talking a period where, you yeah. know, you go 10 years without even seeing one, but yet you, you stick with it. You didn't give up. I kept thinking, man, anytime I'm going to, I'm going to find one, I'm going to see one. And so I just stuck with it. So anyway, uh, yeah, I finished up high school. Um, I started, uh, EMT school. Uh, my first semester of college was, a, I was an EMT student and, uh, I'd served with our local volunteer fire department from the age of 16 and finished up emt school next semester i was in paramedic school and uh, so i had my paramedics license in my hand before i turned 20 years old so that was uh, another amazing accomplishment so anyway, i ended up working uh, full-time for a couple years as a uh, paramedic on an ambulance district and uh, then when i was 21 years old i started working full-time for a fire department that uh basically if it was burning i was a firefighter and if it was bleeding i was a paramedic uh, ended up doing total 23 years of service of firefighter paramedic and uh, married and uh, two wonderful daughters. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, just just stayed with the taxidermy stuff on the side and hunting and my hunting passions just grew and more and more and more through the years and uh, started getting into bow hunting when I was yeah, I was somewhere around 25, 26 years old, something like that. When I started getting into bow hunting, and uh, man, I just been—I love bow hunting. That's my thing now. Not afraid to go out and gun hunt, but man, the bow hunting stuff—I love uh, it. What? So, what year did you kill your first deer with the bow? That would have been 1992. So, yeah, 92. And, and was that in Missouri? Yeah. All, all my deer hunting has been in the state of Missouri. I've, I've hunted other states for turkey, but uh, deer hunting, all, all my hunting's been in the state of Missouri. We'll have to change that. Yes, someday we'll have to change that. <laughs> so anyway, as uh, time goes on, working for the fire service, uh, I end up getting my knees jacked up in a house fire at a floor that decided to not cooperate and uh kind of went through a soft spot in the floor jacked up my knees and uh ended up had to end up losing my firefighting job because of that situation doctors wouldn't actually approve me to go back to work and you know 100 percent as a firefighter so i had to give that job up so that broke my heart because i was the person that always had the plan you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna be a firefighter forever just retire someday kind of thing. And, and it didn't work that way. By the time I was uh, 42 years old, I guess I was, I had to give up the fire service and walk away from it. And uh, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth because I didn't get to go out on my terms. I had to go out on somebody else's terms. <clears throat> um, and, and that's, 
this is where I think my life story, I think this is where I started growing as a person. Uh, because prior to that, it was always me. Like, I have a plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden, the rug gets yanked out from underneath you. And uh, it got it got rough. Um, I was actually, I remember one day I was just sitting on the couch, and I was just, I was kind of giving God a little talking to about why he just, you know, screwed me up. And like I said, since then, I've, I've grown a lot. But uh, I, 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 it finally just clicked in my head where I, I, I could just hear that little voice, you know, God talking to me that's like, you know, things happen for a reason and we're going to move on. It's time for you to go do something different. Now, now, how, how old were you at this point? What year, what uh, year are we talking here? Uh, this would have been about 2008. Okay. So I'm 43 years old at this time. And so anyway, uh, I, I did a lot of sporting clay shooting, things of that nature on the side. And, uh, I was actually, and because, because of taxidermy, this is a whole nother, I'm going to shorten this enough really a lot, but because of taxidermy and because of my daughters at a very young age being involved in taxidermy, we got to meet some, uh, people from Hollywood and we got invited to go to the Hollywood celebrity shoot. Um, basically my daughters got invited to go to the Hollywood celebrity shoot, uh, sporting clay event. I got to go with them. Um, I'm glad they took dad along. And so we go to the Hollywood celebrity shoot, got to meet a lot of celebs and everything. And, uh, then the following year I got invited to go back to Las Vegas to shoot in the Erling Mandrell celebrity shoot that she was holding. And I, I go to that event and that's where I bumped into a guy that was with the army marksmanship unit. Uh, they actually had the unit was there, uh, showing off their shotgun shooting demonstrations and, uh, just the amazing abilities those guys have. And there was, there was a, a gentleman there that uh, I got to shoot in the bull with him a little bit. And then after the event, we stayed in touch. And about a year later, he contacts me and he's like, hey, I'm retiring from the military. And uh, I'm going to go to Lindenwood University, which is in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which is where I work at now. But uh, anyway, he contacts me and says, hey, I'm going to go to Lindenwood and be the, the head coach for the shotgun shooting team. Would you be interested in coming to work for me as a, the assistant coach? And this is right when my life was falling apart, I felt like, because I had, like I said, my job, my career, all about me stuff. It was all lined up. And then all of a sudden, I get this phone call like, hey, you want to come work for the university? And uh, so, yeah, I, I dropped my little um, job that a monkey could have been doing that I, I just had to pick up something, that, you know, to, to fill in the void for me started working for the university and ended up working uh five years as the assistant coach on the shotgun team uh, which we traveled all over the country did sporting clay trap skeet and uh the team had won uh at that time well we the five years i was with them, we won national championship all five years uh but the team ended up running like 16 years in a row they, they had national championships under their belt uh then after five years i Left the shotgun team, went to an admin position with the university. And then uh, three years ago, I'm actually my third year right now, we started an archery team at the university. And so I'm one of the head coaches now for the archery team. But it, it's so crazy, you know, at the, at the time when it, when, it, when it happened to me, I got my knees screwed up, lost my job. And I was so mad, angry, frustrated. And 
I feel like my life was crashing down on me. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I got the coolest job in the world. I get to work with a bunch of athletes on a daily basis, uh, get to coach an archery team. And it's just like, man, what a blessing. But again, this is one of these things that, you know, you're looking through the windshield, you don't see it, but when you look in a rearview mirror of how all the dots connected and you can just see where God had his hand on it the whole time. And, um, uh, here we where, are, you put you where you need, where you needed to be, put, right? put me where I needed to be. You know, sometimes doors have to close so the other doors can open. And this was definitely that, that life lesson for me. That was, that was, I think that was the first time that I really had to quit being macho me and lean on God for guidance and where am I supposed to be and what's going on. And, uh, man, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a rush and, and now working with the, uh, collegiate collegiate archers and that that kind of brings another full circle story about how you and i even <laughs> yeah met each other if, if, if it wasn't for me falling through the floor of a burning building you and i never would have met we each never would have met <laughs> yeah you know so 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 yeah so working with the archery team and and i'd been bow hunting a long time and i feel like i could shoot a bow pretty darn good and uh but there's a big difference as we all know between bow hunting and actually being a collegiate or not a, not a collegiate but a, a competition archer it's, yeah. it's two totally different beasts you oh, know yeah. your, your mental approach is going to be different your equipment is going to be different there's just so many things that are different you got one's kind of controlled circumstances the other one's uncontrolled you know in the hunting world and so anyway i made the comment I'm like well cool we're going to start this archery program so i guess i better start hitting some competitions and learn how to do the competition side of it better and uh, that, that gets me into the, the last few years where, you know, I started getting into the competition part of it. And so I started going to all the big ASA shoots. And back in 2022, went to the first ASA shoot at Foley, Alabama. And just absolutely loved it. Just loved going to the ASA events. And uh, went back to the second event, which was the one at Fort Benning, Georgia that year. And that's when you and I actually met each other for the very first time and yep. got to shoot on the same squad and and you know here we are but that was that was my last shoot for a while um that's that's when the yeah, event well, took yeah, place well, what what happened there <laughs> do you want to tell that story or do you want me to tell it <laughs> i have my perspective <laughs> I, i'll get, i'll tell my story and then, uh, <laughs> then we'll we'll compare notes we'll, we'll compare notes uh so I, I had full plans of going to the to the very next ASA event. I I get up one morning on uh, this would have been April fifteenth, the twenty twenty two. This is the uh, the next time that God really rattled my doors and got my attention. Um, got up that morning and just felt horrible. I uh, feel like I couldn't function right, couldn't think straight, and being a typical guy, it's, you know, go outside, rub some dirt on it, and, and just keep going. And uh, I was having trouble walking right. I noticed my my foot was dragging the floor. My heel dragged the floor. I couldn't pick my foot up properly. And I kind of blew it off at first, going to put my shoes on, go outside, and I couldn't cross my legs. And that's when I looked at my wife, and I said, you better call an ambulance. And she says, why? I said, I think I'm having a stroke. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, of course, like I said, being, you know, being a paramedic, I kind of recognized the signs of, of what was going on. Ambulance shows up, they take me to the hospital, and I go straight in for all the brain scans and everything, and sure enough, man, I was having a stroke, and uh, man, it, it, it rocked my world. Uh, 
conditions deteriorated pretty rapidly for me. Um, next thing I knew I couldn't, I could move my left arm and left leg, but I had basically zero motor control over it. No fine skills whatsoever. Um, I remember three days later, I couldn't even raise my arm up to turn a light switch on. And I was devastated. And, you know, at that time, I was 56 years old. I considered myself to be in shape. I went to the gym. I ate right. I did everything I was supposed to do. And then I have a stroke. And there was a, there was a lot of that why me situation that went on at first. Um, since then, I, I think I understand why me. But, you know, I, I want a lesson here for, for anybody that thinks it can't, you know, things can't happen to them, that they can. But you have to be smart and pay attention to the details. Um, in my situation, I was even trying to be proactive. I'd had a uh, stress test done and was thinking like, you know, hey, I'm cool, but I'm going to, I'm going to get this done anyway. Um, just make sure everything was, was all right with me. Stress test done or like, man, you have no heart blockage. You're in great shape. Um, stroke happens to me. The first thing I do is we've got to find where the blockage came from that, that caused the stroke. And, uh, they do more heart tests on me and they're like, you don't have any heart blockage. We got to do more tests. So they they did some more tests and ended up finding I had like a 75% blockage in the carotid artery. And it never got found because, number one, I didn't have any problems going on and the heart was all clean. So who would have ever thought to look you know, for something going on as a problem in the carotid artery? So I had to get a... I had to go back into the hospital. It was, it was like two months after the stroke and have a stent put in the carotid artery and get that all cleaned out and everything. But again, looking back on it now, it probably saved my life. Um, but man, it, it rocked my world. Like I said, I went from being fit, being active. To, I always said, if you, if you took a hundred guys my age and lined them all up and had everybody pick the one guy that's not going to have a stroke, it probably would have been me just because of, me being in shape, um, wasn't fat, wasn't sloppy, you know, got a little bit of muscle tone to me still. And yeah, it happened. Um, so then we get into the part of the, uh, the, the recovery. Are you, do you want to compare notes yet or do I need to keep going here? Oh, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. We'll do that. I, maybe we'll do that in another episode because I have, yeah, uh, everything you just said, I, it, it tracks. Um, there's just a lot of other detail and nuance within that story, uh, through that ASA season, um, that we, we, we can save that for another time. I want to hear the rest of the, we're still peeling back the layers of Steve here. So let's just keep rolling it back. Um, so I had to learn how to do everything over again. Um, I, I couldn't even brush my teeth the right way. I always hold a toothbrush in my left hand, my left arm didn't work anymore. Uh, just, just everything. Cause I couldn't turn on a light switch, couldn't pick up a pencil. There was just so many deficits that I have. And, uh, it, it, it crushed me. It crushed me bad. But again, this is another one of those situations that I, I had no choice, but to lean on God, to, how am I going to get through this? Because I, I couldn't do it myself. And I just developed the attitude though, of you got to work hard. You know, everybody has challenges in life. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's uh, mental, family issues, job issues, financial issues, whatever it is. We all have issues, and and I've, I've, you'll probably hear me say this more than once, but you got to get through your troubles 
you can't stay in the middle of your troubles. And sometimes it's, it's a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of hard, hard prayers, hard work. But I, I, I'm the guy that I firmly believe that like I said, we're, we're all going to have these issues, but it's just, how do you handle it? Um, you've, I've heard the old phrase yeah. in the past that life is 90, 90% of, or what is it? 10, 10, 10% of what happens to you, 90% of how you deal with it. And, uh, yeah, it's easy, easy to get stuck. It's, it's, it's easy to get stuck when the chips are down for sure. Um, so one thing I want to, I, I want you to touch on here, Steve, cause I think this is really important to that story is the timeline because you didn't get stuck. So from, so just paint, paint the picture of the stroke happened in was that may april 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 of of 22 yeah april of 22 that's right because we were just getting ready to go to louisiana we were going to go to the asa had just moved to new venue they moved from paris texas to to uh louisiana and we were you and I were texting back and forth because we were we were both getting tuned up for that tournament because we were going to yep. get together there like we were, we were all fired up you know we were sending pictures texting pictures to each other about our practice targets in the backyard and getting our reps in and just getting excited for the tournament getting excited to get together and see each other again and then I I get a I get a text message it was a Sunday right it was a Sunday. Yep. It would have been I Easter Sunday, I think, when I sent you that because the stroke yeah, happened to me on, on Good Friday. Because I'm sitting here. I was sitting right where I'm sitting right now, as a matter of fact. I was sitting here in my office doing, you know, diddling around on the computer, doing something, and my phone buzzes. And I said, oh, it's Steve. You know, I'm, I'm expecting to see a target that's got a bunch of arrows stuffed in a 12 ring. And uh, I pop open the text, and it just – I was – my jaw hit the floor. I could not believe what I was reading. And uh, Steve, Steve is, had basically told me that uh, he wasn't going to be able to make it to the to the. I mean, we were what? We were a week away, right? I think it was. Uh, was, it, was it the week or it was? It yeah, wasn't, we, ten, ten, 10 days or so ahead of yeah, the shoot, it, something like that. It, it was literally a number of days before we were yeah. supposed to reconnect down in louisiana and uh i get this text message and he's telling me he had a stroke and at first i kind of thought he was pulling my leg and and i thought no that's that's just not you know that, that didn't seem like a likely scenario so yeah that uh yeah i could tell i could tell a whole story on my side about that day but um I think it's important for you to highlight the timeline between when that stroke happened to you and then the, the, the sequence of events that followed. So, okay. Stroke was April of 22. Um, I started exercising to the best I could and lifting weights. And I'm talking lifting weights. I, I literally had one pound dumbbells that I was started trying to do curls with. And some days I could get, one sometimes some days i could do one curl with a little bit of help from the right arm but i was had that mindset i'm I'm gonna do this i'm not gonna let this beat me and i could have very easily sit on the couch and just given up i i understand how that happens to people uh but i was the exact opposite like i love shooting my bow and 
my bow was actually laying in the, in the living room where I could see it the whole time. And I started putting a countdown on her. I realized at that time that my, my season was over, um, that I wanted to make it to Foley, Alabama in February of 23. That was my goal. And I actually had a countdown going where every day I'd look at it, you know, I got eight months till Foley, seven months till Foley, you know, and just the countdown going. Um, so anyway, I, I go from, I couldn't hardly pick up a one pound dumbbell. Uh, I kept pushing, 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 saying my prayers, working hard. By December, uh, so let's, let's just call it six months later, I was able to shoot my bow well enough that I felt like I could uh, go to an, an indoor competition. Uh, we were shooting a, like a Vegas base, so 30 arrows. And even when I did that, there was uh, the, all the people there, there was, everybody was, you know, understandable of my situation and we even took a break right in the middle of a, you know 10 ends you know just so steve could like shake the numbness out of my arm and everything but you know my my arm was just absolutely killing me and uh, i'm like i'm gonna do it though i am not gonna i'm not gonna give up and i got my 30 arrows in there was there was even a couple times that when i pulled back i mean my my left arm was all over the place i had no control of holding my arm still um but there was times I'm like, oh, this something ain't right. You got to let up on it. And I couldn't let up because, number one, I knew I didn't have the strength to pull the bow back the second time. So I'm just going to, I'm just sending it. Anyway, I, I got through it. That was in December. Kept working, kept working, kept working. And I finally, uh, February of 23 rolls around and I made it to Foley, Alabama. And I literally about cried uh, when, when, it, just just when i got there and i actually saw the place again not because it was fully alabama but because that was just such a milestone for me that i went from i couldn't couldn't walk i couldn't get out of a chair without somebody helping me i couldn't pick up a bow let alone draw my bow back and now here i am at a competition and i was so excited um and i was scared to death at the same time um i was afraid of at that point that's when my my mind really started messing with me uh i was afraid of failure i was afraid of what's everybody gonna think everybody you know or is everybody gonna be thinking why is this guy that can't even hardly walk why is he at this event um i was afraid of not having the strength or the stamina to make it through the event uh, and, and it was a challenge which i'm not even getting into that part of it um but i still showed up and i did it and um i'm not saying any 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 of these stories that you're going to hear from me right now is not it's gonna yeah i started to put in the work but god gave me a chance to get through it um and to have a second chance at this stuff and i think that's i think this is is as we go here into the next phase of it is why um i do have a story um so as as time goes on from that event, uh, my wife gave me the green light. Doctors gave me the green light. Even well, they, they told me I shouldn't, but be smart about it if you're going to do it. Of you know, going to all these events, and uh, kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing, and we kept we went to all the ASA events. Anyway, by by the time July rolls around, I'm hitting some of the uh, local ASA shoots that were also going on uh, throughout the state of Missouri. And uh, middle of July, we come down to the. ASA state championships and uh I I had worked my tail off <clears throat> and I had the mindset at that point that 
somebody out here is they might outshoot me but nobody's going to be out working me and uh we go to the state shoot and i i, I compete in a compete in the uh, senior pins division and uh i ended up winning the uh state championship and shooter of the year buckles and and i, I look back and it's like man six months prior to winning a state championship i could barely pick up my bow and shoot my bow and that's that's six months uh, i mean not nobody realizes just how hard I, I actually worked in there i was talking to another friend of mine recently and he made the comment that you know what what an accomplishment that was to go from you know the, the stroke and the disabilities and everything that goes with that to winning the state championship and then he says have you ever thought about that if you didn't have that stroke that you probably wouldn't have won the state championship that's kind of looked at him like what do you mean by that he goes do you think you would have worked that hard and i went you know what you're right hmm. I, I don't think i would have i i would have been competitive i don't i may have won but i promise i wouldn't have worked as hard as i did and it's like what 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 a blessing it is to, to have that opportunity and like I said, my mindset really has changed because of the stroke of you can't take things for granted. You have to work hard. You have to push forward. You can't give up. Well, and, it's interesting, you know, I'm going to just, you know, from my perspective, Steve. Uh, so uh, going through that 2022 season, um, I'm trying to remember, was it uh, was it the Coleman? Was it the call? I'm trying to remember the event that Ale and I were where we stopped to see you. So, so you guys were uh, heading to Metropolis, Illinois. Oh, Metropolis! There you go. That's right. And uh, I, my daughter Ayla and I were running the tour that year, and I was trying to get her on the. I wanted. I want. I, I first of all, I love ASA myself, and and for anybody listening, if you've never shot in an ASA archery tournament and and you you like archery, I highly recommend it. But um we were on our way to metropolis from north dakota and i was looking at our i was looking at our path that we had to drive you know our route and i saw we were going right through st louis and uh i told i knew that steve i'd never been to steve's house but i knew that steve lived just south of st louis and uh so i was looking at the map and i'm thinking about it and i said you know i said ayla if uh I said, if, if we take a, a short little detour, we could, we could stop by and just drop in on Steve. I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant to just drop, pop in on people unannounced. But I said, I told her in the car, and this was as we were driving down, I said, you know, he's been working so hard and he's, I know it's killing him to miss these tournaments. And I said, it'll take 15 minutes out of our time and I said, I guarantee you that he will never forget it for the rest of his life. And I'm so glad we did that. And I think I did it, Steve, honestly, I think I did it as much for her as I did for you. Because I never won, I just genuinely, I wanted to see you, I wanted to encourage you. I just, you know, I wanted to look you in the eye and just give you a little bit of a lift and try to pick you up. Cause I knew, I knew how hard you were working and I knew you were down and it was hard. And, uh, but I wanted her, I wanted her to experience 
that moment of just giving, of just doing something that costs you nothing. It cost us nothing, but it gave us everything. You know, it gave me uh, everything. It uh, it was. I think you know, you and I, you and I connected immediately when we first met, just as individuals, and as we talked and got to know each other. But I, I, I would attribute that day to really. I mean, I think that's what solidified our, our friendship. I mean, um, I was on a. I, I don't know. I, I, I just. I really enjoyed that. That was so much fun for me because I know how much that meant to you. It meant a lot, and. I mean, if you really think about it, we'd only met each other face-to-face one time prior to that. And, and mm-hmm. But again, the, you know, all, all along, man, God's been connecting the dots of, you know, you guys are going to be paired up here someday. You know, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But so the very first day we met each other, we just hit it off like we were just best friends and known each other forever. And then that day when you and your daughter stopped by, uh, man, that just blew me away. But, but that that right there lit me up even more because when when somebody goes out of their way to do something that kind for you it it only motivates you i mean i i remember telling my wife later i'm like man i'm like i've got to make it to fully i have to these are the kind of people that i'm I'm with when i'm at these events and i I just love this and uh you know outdoor people are, are cool people and it 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 lifted me up. It lifted me up. Cause I'm like, I, I can't, I can't let this passion and uh, these events slip through my fingers. And it, it literally was like, God was saying, all right, man, if you're gonna put in the work, let's go, you know? And well, it's, it's interesting, you know, cause when you were telling the, as you were talking earlier, um, I got to witness that. So that the day that Ayla and I popped in on Steve, I mean, I, he literally, he had no idea we were coming. Um, as we got pretty close, as we were just turning south of St. Louis, it was it was still fairly early in the morning, and I texted Steve. Um, I was trying to think of an excuse to get him to give me his physical address because I needed to put his I needed to put his address in my navigation system because I didn't know where his house was. I just knew a general vicinity, right? And so I'm sitting there with Ayla, and we're scheming in the car, and I'm like what can I tell him or what can I ask him so that he gives me his mailing address? And I think I have to go back and look at the text string, but I think I was telling you, I was going to, I had a book yeah, that I wanted I, him to read. I got something I I'm going to send you. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what it was. I was, I need, I need to send you something and I need your address. <laughs> and the whole time it was, we were on his, on our way there. And then I'm crossing my fingers. And I'm like, God, I really hope he's home. This is going to be so <laughs> weird if we show up at the not home. Like I, you know, it was, it was a week we were, we were on a, well, I guess that was like a Thursday that, or a Friday. So it was yeah, kind of midweek. So, yeah. So that was the end of June. So that was, you know, let's just say 10 weeks after I'd had the stroke and, and you saw what kind of shape I was in at that time. Oh yeah. No. And, and, but what I was going to say was, um, 100% true. When, when, well, so we, we came in and, um, you know, we were sitting in the living room there and we got to meet your wife, Lori. And, um, you know, it was, it was so cool. But just like Steve said, as soon as I, as soon as you brought me in the house, the first thing, the first thing that you pointed out to me was that bow. You had your bow in that yep. case. 
and the case was open and it was right there on the floor against the wall right in the living room dining room area yep. and um and that that's like when you said that you you kept it that i mean you you're, you're not exact there's no there's no exaggeration there the bow wasn't in the closet it wasn't down the hall in a bedroom it was nope. in the case the case was open and it was right there in the living room where you had to walk past that every day and you had to look at that every day and yep. um yeah that but was I, I think I, but but that goes back to i think for everybody you have to know what is your why why do you do something mm. um and there's so much that there's so many so many things that people they say they enjoy doing or whatever it may be but why do you do it and how good do you want to be at it um i knew what my why was i knew i knew my why was i i am passionate about the outdoors i'm passionate about shooting my bow i'm passionate about the competition um i'm passionate about just being out there with my friends and i wasn't going to give up on that what is my why part of that situation so i could have easily sit on the couch and just turn into a vegetable you know i just just I, the amount of deterioration my body had in the if i had 13 weeks i had had trouble getting up out of a chair without somebody helping me yeah the amount of muscle mass i lost and just just everything man i i had to start from scratch you know basically on on everything but and i remember man, when you're passionate about whatever it is man you can do it yeah, I remember you, you, you would send me your videos periodically. Your daughters would take, your daughters would take, I, I remember the one, you know, shortly after the stroke, you were doing yeah. some kind of an exercise. You were doing tennis balls, something with, something with tennis yeah. balls. Uh, I had, uh, I had my, my wife or my, my daughters would, they would throw tennis balls at me and I was making myself catch them left-handed, which again, I, I throw right-handed kind of thing. But I would I would make myself catch it with my left hand and then have to throw it back back to them left handed. So yeah, it was it was a it, it was, was a, a it was a trip, man. But an unbelievable journey. So okay, so now, <laughs> I mean, I, I and and there's still a lot of detail and nuance in this in this one year of time where you go from having a stroke to winning a state title and shooter of the year. Um, there's still 300, of, uh, yeah, three, 399 days after I had a stroke, I won the state championship. <laughs> so, okay. So now the archery competition season is open or is, is, is over rather. Um, now you're going back to the deer woods, back to the deer woods. So, so talk, uh, let's talk about that. First time so, in the stand, how, how did your first hunts go? Well, last, so last year, the, the, the year that I had the stroke, uh, I got a good friend of mine that we've been bow hunting together for 22, 23 years. <clears throat> I didn't want to go bow hunting that year. Like I said, I was just, I was at the point where I could shoot my bow one or two times kind of thing. And that was about it. But, uh, he's like, come on, we're going bow hunting. And I'm like, I'm not going, dude. I don't, I don't have strength, stamina, energy. I can't do it. He's like, we'll take care of you. Let's go. So my buddy, Tim and, and his son, Adam, um, they take me to the places where we would normally bow hunt at and they carried my stuff for me, literally would set me in a lawn chair. I, I got a Polaris Ranger. We would drive the Ranger out there and literally he'd walk me 15 yards and set me in a lawn chair. Cause that's all I could do. And so at first I didn't, I didn't kill any deer, or 
saw some deer off in the distance kind of thing, but I was out, you know, getting myself used to going through the motions again. And even at that time, I, I had to get through the mental hangups of, I was, uh, I guess you almost say like too scared to even try. I didn't want to get out and what if I have another stroke? Well, what if, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, just learn how to get through some of that part of it. So just even sitting in the lawn chair was, was making huge progress for me. Uh, fast forward then through, uh, December, um, actually got a chance to kill my first deer with a bow and I was on the ground when I did it, but, uh, I, I killed a doe and, uh, she didn't run 40 yards and piled up. And I, I walked over by that doe and I said, I've killed a lot of deer in my life, dude. I've killed 130, 140, whatever. And, uh, I literally sat by that deer and, and just bawled like a baby. <laughs> and yeah, I, yep. again, when, when you get something you're that passionate about and it's taken away from you and then you actually have that opportunity to go do it again. <coughs> I, I, I did. I sat, I sat next to that, that deer on the ground and just, just bawled like a baby. Cause I was just so excited. Just. It, it that that was a another like you know i did it moment for me and um again that that just kept the fuel in the fire going for me <clears throat> I, I i'm not giving up i am going to get back where i can do this the the normal way kind of situation <clears throat> and now we get to where we are another full hunting season later uh i'm, I'm pretty much back to normal you know, when it, when it comes to going to the woods, I put my climbing stand on my back. I walk wherever it is I got to walk to, set my stand up, climb up in a tree, shoot deer, feel dressing myself. And it's just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'll say back to normal. I still have some deficits that nobody really notices but me. But um, if this is, a, is as bad as it gets, I can live with it and we're going to be just fine. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. And, you know, you think of all of the other the stories out there about, you know, people that have had strokes. I mean, I've had folks in my family that have suffered strokes and, um, you know, what how that could have turned out versus how it has turned out is nothing short of miraculous. I say that, but um, you kept the faith and you did the work. And that's as big a part of the story as anything. I mean, were you lucky? I don't know. I don't know what, I don't, you know, uh, you could, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that, but, um, as well, far I, as... I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's the, is the keeping the faith and doing the work, you know, God provides, um, the birds of the air, they get to go out and eat breakfast every morning, but the bird still has to leave the nest and go out and find the worm to eat it. It doesn't just, the bird doesn't just sit in the nest and just wait for it to happen because the bird was going to starve to death. <clears throat> and I was in that same boat. The The opportunity was there for me, but I still had to go out and do the work to, to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's nothing short of, of miraculous. And, uh, I'm so happy, you know, because we had, uh, we had so much fun shooting together and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to us being able to share time out of the asa range again and uh just get out there yeah, and swing so some arrows even this year i mean you had to miss this year because of <clears throat> you know things life got in the way for you with i mean luckily you're healthy and everything uh 
I ended up making it to all the SA shoots. I finished, I think, 10th spot on the shooter of the year at the big ASA tournaments. <clears throat> and, uh, hey, fair warning, brother. This coming season, I'm going into it strong and healthy. So that's that's exactly the way we want you, man. You better be ready. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on it. So anyway, so yeah, that's kind of Steve's story. Um, <clears throat> 47 years of deer hunting, <clears throat> been involved in a lot of things to do with the outdoor industry. And, uh, and I'm just blessed to be able to sit here now and, and share some of my stories and, uh, experiences that, that I, again, I hope that it, I mean, somebody hopefully can hear this podcast and don't even take get or if they don't learn anything on the hunting side of it, just, just hopefully you can learn that I don't care what it is you're going through. You can make it through it. And, uh, but you have to have that mindset and the willpower to, it's going to be rough. It's going to, I mean, there's some days that you just want to give up and you just can't, you just got to keep going. So let me ask you this, Steve, I know we're probably going to be wrapping up here in a little bit, but, um, you know, as far as, as far as hunting goes, right. I mean, so, you know, 47 years, um, in the, you know, deer woods and things like that. What's, especially now that you've gone through what you have with the stroke and the recovery and the rehabilitation and everything like that, what is your, what does your bucket list look like now? Like when you think about, when you think about outdoor, I'm going to, so I'm going to ask the question in two ways. Um, from an outdoors perspective, what, what are your, what are your buckets, bucket list of hunts? And it can be locations and it could be species, whatever. Um, also though, curious, you know, um, like career wise in your coaching and stuff like that, like what, uh, what, what are your, what are your aspirations there? I know you're trying to, you're, you're in the process of building a team there at Lindenwood with your archery club. You've picked up some real good talent. But I'm interested to hear a little bit about those things too. Uh, we'll start with the bucket list. I man, I just want to get outside and hunt. Um, I mean, if I if I had you know <clears throat> any any things on the table that I could go do, you know, I had the time to do it, the money to do it. I mean, I definitely would love to do uh, an elk hunt. An elk hunt with a bow would just be a dream hunt for me, and even antelope because I've never had a chance to hunt any any big critters outside of the state of Missouri and the white tailed deer is the biggest thing that we have in the state. So, uh, I mean, there's now starting to do a, an elk relocation thing in the Southern part of the state, but that's not the same as getting out there in the, out in the wild. And, you know, like you went to Montana and, and an elk hunt and that kind of stuff. I'd love to do something like that. And yeah, antelope elk hunt or uh, antelope, uh, bow hunt, man, that would just be so much fun. Those, those are bucket listers. But yeah, with, with the with the team, uh, so we're in our third year of having the team right now, and we built it from the ground up, and uh, we got some real talent coming in now, and uh, hopefully that's going to be uh, one of our upcoming guests as uh, one of the kids on our team that just got a pro contract, and uh, yeah, I just want to I just want to see the team just keep going in a positive direction. I really don't know how big we're going to get. Uh, we finished fifth at the collegiate 3D nationals this this season, uh, which again for a third year team is pretty amazing. Um, just keep getting good people, man. And that's, that's one thing I love about our team is, so we're not, we're not a big team, but we have phenomenal people on the team 
and it's cool looking at the the there's so many people that want to look that look at everybody that's you know college age and they're they're all just a bunch of jerks and i'm telling you what there's some good people out there though and it's it kind of warms your heart to see so many young people that are just just good people out there just learn how to do the right thing and to have the opportunities to help guide people in that direction and, and watch them grow in their love of the sport and grow as people is, is uh, pretty re- rewarding. Yep. No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And I, and God bless you for doing it too, because it's, uh, it's important that they have good leadership to help guide them along that path. And uh, if I, if I could, if I could handpick somebody to do that job, I'd pick you. Uh, I appreciate I you, that. I think, I think you're, I think you're wired just exactly the way that the person in, in that role should be. And, uh, I, uh, you see that, you see it reflected in your team. And, uh, I think that's awesome. So, but hopefully by the time we, we've gotten through this, you know, people that are out there listening, uh, they, they can tell from your background and my background, you know, we're all, we're all about helping other people. We're not, you and I are not doing this for any other reason other than just wanting to help other people. You know, again, my, my whole service, 23 years being a firefighter and paramedic was, I did that because I wanted to help people. Uh, I'm doing the coaching. I'm sure not doing the coaching for a paycheck. I promise that I'm doing it because I want to help people <laughs> uh, doing this podcast, doing this podcast because I want to help people. So, all right, well, ready to wrap this one up. Sounds good to me. I appreciate uh, right. appreciate you sharing uh, your story. It's uh, you know it's meant a lot to me uh, personally. Um, but uh, I hope you know if anything, I hope if there's somebody that hears that and they find themselves in a situation similar to to what you did, you know that uh, they they can draw some some strength and courage or guidance or or something from that, uh, to, to help, to help get them up off the couch and, and carry on and, uh, keep fighting. You know, it's, uh, it's not about how you get knocked down. It's about how you get back up and, exactly um, right. you know, um, I think, I think you would probably agree and tell me if you disagree, but you can't do it alone. Right. And I know that's no, hard. You- it's hard. It's hard for, it's hard for people to, reach out for help and ask for help sometimes. But, uh, when you find yourselves in, when you find yourself in some of those situations, you, you can't do it alone. And I think what you'll also find is if you have the courage to reach out for help, that it'll come from some of the most unexpected places. And, uh, exactly right. there's, there's more support out there than you may realize or, or think that you have available to you at the time. And, um, so, uh, if, again, if somebody can 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 take something from that and and help their situation, I think that that'd be a wonderful thing. All right, so everybody, stay tuned. Uh, next episode, we're going to do an interview with Joe's daughter, that is a collegiate national champion. So that's a whole other story. Um, so anyway, everybody, stay tuned for that. So if anybody's got any questions, comments, anything you want to talk about uh, with us, you can email us at Wild Arrow od at gmail.com wild arrow od as in outdoors at gmail.com 
and we're going to wrap this one up and until we meet again thanks steve good talking to you we would like to thank you for listening to the wild arrows outdoors podcast please share this with your friends so that we can continue to grow keep working hard keep saying your prayers we will talk to you soon